Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Beautiful are your feet in sandals, O prince's daughter. The curves of your thighs are like jewels. The work of the hands of a skillful workman. Your navel is a rounded goblet. It lacks no blended beverage. Your waist is a heap of wheat set about with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes, the pools of Heshbon. By the gates of Bath. Don't put that voice on. (laughs) I've got 30 minutes. Aren't you glad I'm up here as well? Your hair is your of your head is like purple. A king is held captive by your trestles. I could go on. And then and then she responds, May the wine go straight to my beloved flowing gently over lips and teeth. Don't you just love God? Sex. It's right in the middle of the Bible. It's right there, in the middle of the Bible. Uh, And at the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. They were naked and without shame. And we can get back to that uh, freedom. We can get back to that innocence, that kind of restoration. It's available because of what Jesus came to do. Jesus said that the Son of Man, the Son of Man came to seek which, that, that which was lost. Let me just say that again. The son of, Jesus said the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Just think about this language. Not, he didn't come to save the lost, but that which was lost. All that had been lost. Us, love, beauty, life, sex. He came to rescue the world that he made. And the creation that he cares about, he created this world, including our sexuality. And our sexuality is not something that's outside the reach of God. Not something that's outside his restoration. It's freely available. So this is a massively important subject before us today. And we want to acknowledge that all of us have personal experiences in this area. And they're going to be incredibly varied. And it could be a sensitive topic for some of you. And this is obviously such a huge subject. And it's so difficult when we've been preparing to get the balance right between biblical foundations and some of the shame that some of us feel and some of the triggers that some of us have in this area. And we're going to spend a couple of weeks, in a couple of weeks' time, looking at this area uh, a little bit more. So we're not going to cover all the bases this morning. But our hope is that we get to hear the voice of God in this subject. The hope is that together we can consider these things and hear God speaking to us. And obviously, you know, out there and in here, the cultural landscape is shifting and it's extremely challenging for this generation as we're seeking to make our way in the world. And we're left as a church asking, does the church have anything to say on this? Is there anything that we have to offer on this subject of sex? And alongside the Bible, we're going to be uh, using material from uh, a lady called Amy Orr Ewing. She's a director from the Christian Centre of Apologetics. 
And um, she's just got some great wisdom, obviously, alongside the Bible. So a story is told of a woman walking on the beach when a genie popped up. Obviously, true story. And she said, oh, am I going to get three wishes? And the genie said, no. I'm afraid that due to inflation, downsizing, and third world debt, you only have one. So make it very, very good. So the woman didn't hesitate. She reached into her bag. She pulled out a map of the world, and she, said, and she pointed to the Middle East. And she said, you see these countries? I want them to stop fighting each other. That's my wish. And the genie let out a sign. He said, oh, listen, lady, I'm good, but I'm not that good. Those countries have been at war for thousands of years. So, uh, yeah, please make another wish. So she thought for a minute, and she said, you know, I've never been able to quite find the right man. Um, He's considerate, fun, likes to cook, gets on with my parents, good at sport but doesn't watch it all the time, is faithful, is attractive, uh, pays me attention. That's what I would wish for, the perfect partner. The genie let out a sigh and said, okay, give me the map back. <laughs> so we're, but we're all searching for connection, aren't we? We're all hoping to find connection with that perfect person, that elusive other person. It may surprise you to know that um, on Google, in 2012 and 2014, the most searched for phrases, and apparently those years the, in Google, it was, what is love? The, most, the world's most powerful search engine is, is kind of telling us that we were searching for connection. Although having said that, I Googled what the most searched for phrases were last year, and it was how to lose belly fat fast and how to buy Bitcoin. <laughs> so I'm not sure it's necessarily <laughs> a good indicator. But there's this kind of hope and excitement, isn't there, around love and sex and relationships. And, but let's be real, in this context, there's also a darker side, the cultural moment in which we live. The Me Too hashtag, it's elicited such an outpouring of people sharing their often unwanted sexual, um, sexual behaviour. Often unwanted. And, and that seems to be backed up by research. And we just want to set a bit of a framework today and a landscape as to the cultural climate that we're living in. And then explore what the Bible has to say about this subject. The, Garden, the Guardian reported in 2016 that... It, this is just staggering. 52% of women in the workplace reported experiencing se unwanted sexual behaviour at work. 52%. And in those aged 16 to 24, this rose to 63%. That's the majority of women in the workplace in Britain when they're just trying to earn a living. And it's not just in the workplace. The Telegraph reported in 2015 that a third of female university students had endured a sexual assault of some description. This is the context that we live and breathe in. This is a lived experience of not just people out there, but people sitting in here today. This is our mums, our girlfriends, our wives, our nieces, our daughters, and though in the church and with those that we're seeking to reach. mindful of the, the shifting landscape. It's almost like tectonic plates have shifted very quickly. What took a generation has just taken years. And so uh, we want to think about uh, just this morning to touch on what, what God has to say and what the Bible has to say. Uh, we want to scope this out broadly. 
Uh, and we see these, there are three rival narratives that we want to talk about today uh, as, as we think about sex. Uh, in this context this morning, we, we want to hear the voice of the Lord speaking to us. We want to hear him encouraging us, strengthening us, so that we can be the kind of people Paul described as those shining brightly, as those stars shining brightly in the midst of the darkness. And so as we continue this series on, on living free, uh, the good news is, is that we, we can be free mm. and we can be bright stars in the, in the darkness. So the three narratives, uh, they're, they're kind of in, invisible ink on the... <laughs> you need special glasses to see, to see those uh, on, on the slides there. But we're going to talk about three things, materialism, religion, and then biblical faith. Uh, so number one, so your glasses should have adjusted by now. And so can, can you all see amazing. those now? It's awesome, it's amazing. Um, so number one, materialism. Materialism... materialism it tells us this story about life and the universe. Uh, you see, materialism is the big picture framework behind this growing movement of atheism. Materialism, that there's nothing more to life than the purely the physical. So when we come to think about sex, for the materialist, sex is ultimately about consumption. Because everything, if everything is purely material, then uh, people are just matter. And so they're relatively disposable. We may be very familiar with this in our, in our con context, in our culture, but the Bible was also written in this context where this kind of worldview was prevalent. The ancient Greeks and Romans viewed sex as similar to any other bodily activity, just like eating and sleeping. When you feel like uh, doing it, you should just do it. Uh, but be careful not to overdo it. Their, their context was, be careful not to overdo sex, as, as in with eating and sleeping, uh, but consume as much sex as you can. That was the context at the time. We're seeing that context in terms of the materialist view. The, the, and the materialist narrative will tell you that if you're not consuming sex, then you're missing out. You're less of a human. There's probably something wrong with you. You're probably undesirable in some way. You're wasting your life. And then the flip side is... Uh, you can stay attached for, to someone for as long as you want. But if you fall out of love, or if you, if you get bored, or if you, you want to change, or you're a bit tired, just move on. You just move on and find someone else. And so this first story of materialism is the culture that we have, particularly in the Western, Western world. Okay, the second narrative that's around us is this narrative of religion. And religion tells us that sex is to be feared, and that you, you might spend years and years being told not to have sex outside of marriage, to hold back. And so it can become something that you're afraid of. For me, it was always no, 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 no to sex. And then suddenly you're married and you're expected to have the best sex for the rest of your married life together and live happily ever after. I remember on, <laughs> on our... <laughs> Brace yourself. I remember on our wedding night... Um, uh, and as Bib, uh, after, after the wedding ceremony, Bib was in the bathroom getting her hair. I'd had loads of pins in my hair, like I'd pinned it all up, just to give you the context. And so um, you have this kind of thought, I mean, <laughs> what's the first night going to be like? And so Bib comes out with hairspray and her big hair, and I was scared. 
<laughs> she walked out of the bathroom and I just saw this mass, I mean, she got just this mass of hair on her head. And it was just everywhere. And so I was a little bit frightened and so she went back in the bathroom and came back out. <laughs> You should have heard us practicing that last night. That was the PG version. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but religion, it, religion will tell you that, that sex is dirty. And you, you know, you may have even been a victim um, of, of sexual violence and you've been, you may feel as if you're, you've been contaminated. That's what religion will tell you. Uh, or perhaps you're the scarlet woman or the male player who's defiled other people. And in, in some ways, religion tells you that you've failed and that you've succumbed to, to temptation. Or religion would tell you that you've successfully held on to your virginity. And then, you know, sexual purity can be now a source of religious pride. You can wear this badge and that you can polish it now and again and hold on to it very tightly. And religion will tell you that the goal in life is marriage and that you're not complete until you're married, until you've got children. Religion will tell you, work harder to be sexually pure. Take pride in your achievement of that. However, if you're not living by the rules, then you just, you know, you just need to ask yourself, what's wrong with you? Why can't you have more willpower? That's the second narrative. That's religion. So materialism, religion, the... These narratives are all about rules. Society has got some rules that we're to live by. Religion has got rules that we're to live by. Um, and if we're not keeping to these rules, these societal norms or these religious norms, then, then often there's shame attached because we're not meeting uh, those expectations. We, we want to introduce uh, uh, this third narrative, this biblical faith. And this stands in, in stark contrast to these, these first two that we've been talking about. Um, we want to discover what does the Bible actually teach us about sex? And how can we be free? G Jesus says uh, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so we want to introduce uh, some truths about sex, what the Bible teaches about sex. And sex in the Bible is very good. Unlike materialism, biblical faith uh, does not tell you that in, in this... Uh, the, the, biblical faith does not tell you that all there is in this world is materialism. Or that's all there is. It, does, it tells you that you matter, as well as the physical world. Uh, but you matter. What, who you are is important. God says that our bodies are beautiful. Psalm 139 says, you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Just let that sink in. God says this about you. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Unlike the materialist view of sex, that's just physical, physical appetite. The Bible tells us that our sexual desires, although for some of us and lots of us are broken, God has given sex as a gift to the human race. Uh, and he, this passage I just wanted to read, it, this is where it stands in stark contrast to materialism and, and religion. So in one, maybe in the next slide, in 1, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12 and 20, it's quite, quite a chunky scripture. It says this, some of you say, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is good for you, even though I'm allowed to do anything. I must not become a slave to anything. 
you say uh, food has, was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realise that our bodies are actual parts of Christ? Should a, should a man take his body... Should, is this the right scripture? Are we there? It's a different it's a version. version, I'm sorry. Read, read it from there. Uh, should I take what belongs to Christ and join it to a prostitute? Never. When you join yourself to a prostitute, you become one with her in body. Don't you know this? Scripture says that the two will become one, but whoever is joined to the Lord becomes one with him in spirit. Keep far away from sexual sins. Some, some of the versions says run away. Some of the versions talk about run away, flee. Keep far away from sexual sins. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but sexual sins are against their own body. Don't you know that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit is in you, and you have received the Spirit of God. You do not belong to yourself. Christ has paid the price for you. So use your bodies in the way that honours God. This is the word of God. It's absolutely true, and it was given to us in love. So what we do with our bodies matters. Where we go, uh, do you realise you take, each of us, we take the presence of God with us, within us. The Bible teaches us, those of us who follow Jesus have the very presence of the Holy Spirit within us, living inside of us. His sacred presence lives within us. And biblical sex is sacred. Uh, we we want to look at these three uh, biblical ways why, why sex is sacred. So first of all, sex is sacred because it is literally created, creative. So with God, sex can co-create a new soul. When, when the kids were a lot younger, I have got permission to tell this story. We were, we were having dinner and the subject of sex came up and we were kind of chatting about what was sex, what it was all about. And um, I do remember who it is, but I'm not going to say which one of them it was. But they said, so, Mommy and Daddy, you've had sex twice. Is that right? You've had sex twice. And then Steve kind of like just shattered their nice little naive innocent minds to say, yeah, actually, I think we had it last night. And their, their framework was blown. They were totally grossed out. So, um, but sex, it helps propagate the human race. And it's right there in Genesis, this staggering theological poetry. It says, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and, see, and said, be fruitful and multiply. That's the first thing that God asked people to do, is to have sex. Just in case you're somehow hearing that God's a killjoy, sex is God's idea. And he calls, he calls them to joyfully consummate their relationship and to be creative. So the Bible isn't out of date when it comes to sex. There's beauty and majesty here. So sex is creative in a biblical framework. Secondly, sex is epic. Really, <laughs> Sex is, is sacred because of the analogy of the Trinity, the pleasurable love of God, how they, how they are intimate with one another, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They live in 
relationship, this glorious devotion, this glorious communion with one another. The narrative of, of Scripture is that sex points to the uh, sex points to that the love between the Father and the Son, as well as Christ and the believer. The Bible is not embarrassed about the delight in sex. It doesn't separate that from theology. It's not like going, uh, we're going to have this creative, enjoyable sex over there, and let's keep that very separate from God. Sex is supposed to be wonderful because it's mirroring something of the intimacy between the Trinity. In the Song of Songs, the Hebrew, middle of the scripture, the Hebrew is really erotic. And most translators, as I've read these translators, they cannot bring themselves to bring out some of this obvious meaning. There's no shy, shamed, mechanical movement under the sheets. Rather, the two stand before each other, aroused, feeling no shame, but only joy in each other's sexuality. Isn't that awesome? God's plan for, for sex is good. It's beautiful. It's unashamed. It's epic. Thirdly, biblical sex is covenantal. I, I, couldn't, I can't say that word. Covenant, covenantal. Covenantal? Covenantal. Covenant. It's based on a covenant. <laughs> it's sacred because it constitutes a, a covenant, a renewal ceremony. And a covenant is not a contract, but it's, a, it's not a breakable legal agreement. A covenant is a lifelong promise to love and to commit to walk together. And marriage in the New Testament, is a, it's an image that God uses to describe the relationship that he has between himself and his people. Unbreakable. And that's the unbreakable bond of love between a pair as well. And so marriage is this lifelong covenant of unity. And the purpose of sex within that is to become one flesh. We read earlier, didn't we? The two are united into one. That's the purpose. And within a biblical framework, sex is a gift from God, and it's designed to be beautiful and powerful and a connection. And in the right context of a lifelong covenant, it's a wonderful thing. It's about unity and about otherness, and it's body-affirming. It's physical, and it's metaphysical as well. It's a deep kind of language enabling a meeting of minds. And it's spiritual because it's an analogy of how God loves us. And it's creative because new life and children can come along. And because it's covenant, covenantal, it seals that enduring commitment. Yeah. So for the married person here, enjoy the gift. Steve and I have been married for 22 years and we haven't got this all sorted. There have been weeks and months in our lives together where we haven't had sex. And sex can be a really vulnerable place to be in if you don't feel connected to each other. But also, sex can be a vital way to connect if you're not connected. For the single person here this morning, what does it mean? You are fully human. Intimacy with God and others is in a biblical framework is not dependent on having sex. Your body is a gift, and you're invited into this kingdom adventure of freedom and grace where there's no condemnation. And abstinence from sex is a powerful and beautiful thing. It reminds the church and the world that we don't overinvest ourselves in anything besides the kingdom when we don't live for materialism. And just like we have possessions, we don't live as though they're really ours because our true wealth is in God. And so Paul applies that to the principles of marriage and singleness. He says that we're not to be overly concerned about getting married or overly disappointed about not being so, 
because it's only Christ that fulfills us. And the same goes for us married people as well. It's only Christ that fulfills us. The Christian gospel and the hope of the future kingdom directly dethrones idolatry of marriage. And in the ancient world, Christianity was unique in this, where they, uh, it upheld single adulthood as a beautiful, purposeful, viable way of living. And prior to, prior to Christianity, nearly all religions and all cultures made family and specifically childbearing a foundational cultural value. But, and there was no honour without family honour and no lasting legacy without physical heirs. But in contrast, the early church, it specifically and purposefully not only didn't pressurise people to marry, but actively encouraged them not to. And you see in Paul's letters that the, the way that they supported widows so they didn't have to remarry. Jesus, Jesus himself was single. We kind of forget that, don't we? So, we've given you some th these three narratives. And uh, the first narrative, materialism, take to consume, consume, consume. But Jesus, again, he, he, he speaks to the materialist culture, materialist society, and he just says... In, in John 4, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. And he goes on, indeed the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In other words, it's by coming to Jesus and receiving his water that we can be truly satisfied. That we can be truly find intimacy and ultimately find satisfaction through him. So my uh, question, uh, for some of us, are we chasing that rush of experience? Are we chasing after what the materialist values of this world are? Just to consume sex, to have more sex, to, to, desire, to, to desire sex. Jesus is the only one that can give the water that quenches the, the, the emotional and physical and uh, relational needs and sexual needs that, that we all have. We all have these emotional and psychological needs, uh, these missing bits in, a, in, a, in all of us. Uh, and sex often is a replacement for, for some of those gaps that we have because sex fulfills physical needs, relational needs, uh, intimacy, uh, emotional needs, all in, all in one fell swoop, if you like. But Jesus has he's given us these places in our hearts and our souls which can only be fulfilled in him and in healthy relationships. Mm. The Bible says, I said this earlier, the Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. This is the Bible's verdict over you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's not the same as the world's verdict. The, the Bible's verdict, and in Song of Songs, the Bible's verdict is that you are beloved. Whether you're a man or a woman, you're beloved. And the promise of Romans 8 is that nothing can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And if you're single here today, hear the affirmation of the Lord over you. You are, you are honoured and beloved. You are crucial. You're a life-giving person in the family of God. Religion may tell you that you've slipped up in some way sexually. You've, you've been defiled. You're, you're shamed. But the Bible says, again in Romans 8, fantastic, fantastic chapter in, in Scripture. Anyone who is in Christ is no longer under condemnation. The old has gone. The new has come. 
For some of us, we need to hear that. We need to receive that healing and grace. The old has gone. The new has come. The affirmation is that God's love for you. Some of us, we need to repent. We need to turn away. Uh, maybe we need to turn away from uh, striving in our own efforts to be better. Or, and we need to turn away and receive the empowerment of the Spirit of God within us to set you free from some addictions. ago I used to uh, counsel married couple, uh, couples in prison and helping partners prepare for release as they, as they left prison lifestyle and to kind of get themselves, reintegrate themselves back into society and we would do courses for the couples and, their, and, the, and the inmates in, in various prisons, Brixton, Wandsworth, uh, all over London. Uh, I'd often counsel couples who were the, the guy was abusive were the physical, emotional ver verbal abusive and uh, often the, the, we would be in a sort of a, a conversation and the, the, the partner, the lady would just run off in tears just from what the, the guy had said to her I would, uh, I would we would have a sort of a triangle in a sort of counselling triangle and I would then get out from my seat and sit right next to the guy and I would say to him, I know where you live. And if I hear that you've been physically or verbally abusing your, your partner, uh, I know where you live. Um, I'm on her side. And uh, uh, if I hear anything, I'm going to come around to your house. Because it's about power. I, I didn't know what to do if I did hear about those things. <laughs> I'd call like Rudy and <laughs> Rudy and Matt. Yeah, we would, we would go. Uh, uh, we want to say in, a, in an environment like this, uh, we believe uh, that if you're in a current abusive situation, we want to say, uh, get out. The, the cobwebs of relationships, and particularly for... Uh, partners that are, are being abused. It's, it's a whole cobwebs. And do you need help and support to get out? We believe that Jesus can set you free. And in this community, in this church community, uh, you, we can help you find support, safety, and freedom in the love of God. Uh, I would also speak to some guys who, who would also just be like players, bandits, I call them. Like some of the ladies, they, oh, they, he's a bandit. And uh, uh, we want to say, we want to say to you guys, be a brother to your sister in Christ. Mm. Uh, for the ladies who maybe you're, you're looking outside of church to find relationships because of what you've gone through in terms of guys that have mistreated you. Uh, pray, for, pray that men and women would, would treat each other as brothers and mm. sisters in Christ. The Christian dating culture. Can I say something? I, I was just reading this week um, from 1 Thessalonians. I just want to read it quickly because I just read it this morning. Um, God's will is for you to be set apart for him in holiness and that you keep yourselves unpolluted from sexual defilement. Um, it goes on to say, never take 
selfish advantage of a brother or sister in this matter, talking about sexual sin. For we've already told you and solemnly warned you that the Lord is the avenger in all these things. The Lord is the avenger. And if people have been subject to sexual abuse or sexual violence or uh, misconduct in any way, know that promise that the Lord is your avenger. And it, it could be that some of you need to know that afresh today, that the Lord is your avenger. He is the one that's protecting you. He is the one that's got your back. And there'll be a time in a minute you can come forward for prayer and we can stand with you knowing that the Lord is your avenger. Um, we've been married 22 years and so the Christian dating culture has moved on since we've dated uh, pastorally now, we are supporting more and more people who have been abused, who, who have been taken advantage of by women and by men. Uh, we've, we're pastoring more people who are addicted to porn. These tectonic plates have shifted in our society. I, I'm positive that the enemy is out to seek and destroy sex mm. and relationship. I'm 100% I'm positive on this. I don't often say... The enemy's going to get... But I'm positive, I'm 100% that the enemy's out to seek and destroy healthy sex, healthy relationships, mm. biblical sex, and, how, and, and purity. And if, you, if today you're here and you're married, we want, we want to offer you this, this chance to restore your commitment to your spouse and the gift of mm. sex in the covenant of marriage. <coughs> Trusting in him that he can make all things new. We really recommend mar marriage counselling. It's, oh, it's not too late to join in. We, we started Better Together last week. Fantastic evening. Mm. Great food up at the exhibit. Great company. And uh, just learning about how we do relationships as, as mar marriage couples. Uh, the Better Together course is a fantastic MOT. Mm. I said earlier that the Son of Man came to seek that which was lost. He can make all things new and beautiful. Shame, freedom from guilt, Jesus himself can make all things new, whether you're single, married, divorced, widowed, in, involved in the dating culture. Mm. I got an email from Salt this week <laughs> telling, telling me all about Salt. I don't really know, swipe left, swipe right. But um, we're, we're convinced that Jesus is in the middle of Christian dating culture as mm. well. And uh, so why don't we stand? And we're just going to invite the, invite the band to come back. Some of... Before we, before we slip away... Some of, some of this... We said, like, the enemy is out to, to seek and destroy. The enemy was the chief worshipper. The enemy wanted the attention to be on him. And so the angels, they threw him out of, of heaven... And I'm convinced that the enemy's out to, uh, to destroy not just sex and relationship. He's also out to destroy worship and worship leaders as well. And we just want to just, if you're in the middle of something, use this time of worship just to, uh, this is what God's intended for us. The, 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 the space in our heart that we need to fill in can only be found as we worship God, as we, we set our minds on things above, not on on our own stuff. So we're going to have a time of worship and this is your opportunity for the next 10 minutes or so just to, 
sing out, sing out your praises. It's he who fights your battles for you. It's God himself who fights your battles. We need only to be still and worship. So let's worship. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.